Welcome to the Rich Feet Podcast with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. This podcast is sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, where they specialize in happy feet. Each episode highlights the best of Dr. Richmond's radio show, providing bite-sized clips of advice. Let's jump right into the show. You know what day it is. It is Saturday. It's a beautiful Saturday here in the Gym City. And it's a beautiful Saturday because it is the fourth Saturday of the month. And you know what happens on the fourth Saturday of the month. We have our local podiatrist and foot specialist, the one, the only, Dr. Tanisha Richman. Good morning or good afternoon it is. Yes, good afternoon. How are you this afternoon, Dr. Richman? I am blessed. I'm alive. That is a blessing. <laughs> truly, truly Nowadays, is. it's hey, it's just the bar, just the wake up breathing on your own. Well, but without oxygen. That's right. That's right. And those that are, we're, we're grateful for those that do have it because if they didn't have the oxygen oh, yeah. assistance, they wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, uh, wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be here as well. So happy 2022 to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we haven't spoken with you, uh, at least live on the air, since last year. So yeah. uh, uh, welcome to a new year. It is exciting. And we always look forward to the show. And we know our listeners do. We thank you for your comments, for calling in. And I'll just let you know the number to call in. And it is live, so it's not delayed. So please turn your radio down. Or turn it off um, when you do call, and that number is 937-457-1210. Any questions you have or comments relative to the feet or any uh, particular topics that Dr. Richmond is discussing uh, with us this Saturday afternoon, you can give us a call. And Dr. Richmond, I know we've got several items that we are going to hit on. <laughs> Foot pain is one. We're going to also do our monthly book reviews, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine and updates. We've got some updates and vascular disease. We appreciate you, you know, going into detail. And of course, with that, upcoming topics for next month when you come. We know it's Heart Healthy Month or Heart Month for February, so we can talk about that as well. So where would you like to start, Dr. Richmond? <laughs> Let's start by letting everyone know where you're located. Okay. I'm in the Charles R. Drew Health Center, 1323 West 3rd Street, or is it Martin Luther King Way as well? My phone number is 937-228-3668. Website is richfeet.org. We're accepting pretty much all insurance except for, I think, Anthem right now. We are pretty much doing walk-ins because of the COVID numbers. is really drastically decreased my practice numbers, so... We're pretty much doing walk-ins probably for the next month until people get healthy again, start coming back into the office. But we do close from 12 to 1 every day. But, you know, we are probably taking walk-ins in the mornings and afternoons. If you are a new patient, though, try to call. We usually can do same-day appointments right now. And our spa is back open. We are open just for the mornings for the now. For now, our tech is back, but she's back part time. So, and then we also have the store that's open as well. We have tons of different types of hammer toe pads, bunion pads, corn pads, callus pads, creams, <laughs> medicated toenail polish, paint your toenails. We have diabetic socks compression socks, and we now do diabetic shoes. They can be fitted on site. We do have a display in the lobby where you can actually see the shoes. And I think we have a couple new boots that are 
just came out and that are, let me say that one more again, only for diabetics <laughs> diagnosed with diabetes by their primary care physicians. You have to be a diabetic. Most insurances will pay for one pair of shoes every 365 days a year. They'll pay for one pair of shoes and two pairs of inserts or maybe three depending on your insurance. I will always want to say as far as diabetics, all diabetics should be seen at least once a year just to be evaluated so we can determine your risk factors if you need any ancillary studies like vascular disease, ABI studies where we check your blood flow and that's just the blood pressure cuff on your arms and legs and then we send that to a vascular surgeon who may do further testing to make sure the blood flow is coming down to your feet and legs from your heart. And in diabetics as well, if you have vascular disease, lots of times you also have heart disease as well. So it's all interconnected. It's just a giant interstate, but the central part are not connected or blocked. Then that can cause the problems where you hear people having gangrene and things of that nature. So if you're having a lot of pain in your legs, Especially if you have pain with walking, you can't walk a block. Um, you're waking up with pain at night. You're waking up with Charlie horses cramping in your legs or cramping while you're sitting. And especially if you are a smoker as well as diabetic or on dialysis as well as diabetic. All of those just compound your risk for vascular disease and other problems. So it's it's a lot. <laughs> but, you know... The main thing is just coming to start the process, start the screening. And a lot of people don't show up out of fear, you know, and, and I understand that. My uncle, he lost a leg and now I think he has half a foot on the other leg, but he's also very non-compliant. He doesn't do anything he's supposed to do. He doesn't eat right. He's just not, he just refuses to accept his diabetes, eat uh, a diabetic diet or anything close to one. But, you know, I've been diabetic now myself 21 years. I have seen it. I've studied it. I've seen it. I read about it. And I've seen it. I've smelled it. And I know what they say is true. And I see it every day. And I actually I was talking to one of my patient's mothers. He, he'll be dead a year on the 14th of February. He died on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. One of my patients. He was younger than me, I think. He was in his 50s. He had had a stroke, a heart attack. He was diabetic. He had diabetic ulcers. He was going into renal failure. And I think he finally died of a massive heart attack. Wow. And he died on Valentine's last year. I actually went to his service. I went to his repass. And I shouldn't have did that, but I did send them some chicken for the repass. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Well, maybe it was just that you couldn't find any baked chicken. Well, I had to eat things, Popeyes and lemonade. And <laughs> now I feel like I did a, a reverse soul food. I didn't. I should have sent them some baked chicken. <laughs> well, who knows? Somebody might have had something healthy there for them. And I think I might have sent so green bad. beans as a side. <laughs> 
So, Dr. Richmond, we've got several things that you're going to hit on today, and I know what's in the minds of most people, and it's something that we just can't get away from because we're living it, truly living it every day, and, and sadly, we are hearing more and more deaths and, and sicknesses from COVID, and can you expound on any updates that you may have and any information you want to share relative to the COVID-19 vaccine? Well, I know they, Dr. Fauci announced that they should be coming out with uh, vaccines for five and under, I think within the next month. And then Pfizer announced that they have created the Omicron vaccine, which is specific to Omicron and other variants. And that, I think they're tracking towards March. And then now you can go online. I can't remember the white website, but it's a website now you can go online. I actually have already done it where you can get the four free rapid test. And you go make sure the whatever site you do go to that it ends in .gov because .gov because there are a lot of scammer sites out there that are charging people. And when you go online, you do not have to pay for anything. You just have to enter your address. And I think it's depending, well, you're going through the postal service. So I think they kind of have an idea of how many people may live at your house or you put in how many people live at your house and you get four free rapid tests per family member. But yeah, when you do go to those sites, to make sure they are legitimate, they should all government sites should end the dot gov, not anything else. Dot <laughs> gov because there's a lot of scam sites. Actually, when it first went live, I didn't click the link that I and I clicked something else, and all kind of other things popped up. So just be be safe and make sure you're going. And you should get a you should be going to a site that's also attached to the United States Postal Service because that's how they're going to deliver it through the post office. And that's for the four free vax rapid test. And there was some discussion also, Dr. Richmond, of making sure that we don't just take tests just because we have them. Really use the test if you have been, if you have uh, symptoms and not just because you've been around someone who may have COVID. They want you to actually have symptoms before you take it. Yeah, because it's a limit of test. And they actually had one of the people who work in the factories that make the test. And, and she, she made a lot of relevant points. And I think the media doesn't really, they attack the president saying he wasn't prepared. But this was a perfect storm. Because when the COVID, COVID hit, it shut down the economy. Because I know on Maine, three... Three dollar stores were shut down. I think maybe one's back open. But I mean, you just went down the street. Everything was shut down. I mean, just lights off because they didn't have any workers. Everybody's out sick. So this is happening on every level in every industry. Like the people who make the test, they said they couldn't get the paper. They couldn't get the boxes. Then they didn't have the staff to make them. They didn't have the staff to, t to run the test, to process the test. I mean... In my office, I'm, I think I have someone out right now that just tested positive. And I just happened to hear by my boyfriend's daughter that they got tests. And I just walked in and bought six, just, you know, just in case. 
And one of my employees called said her daughter tested positive. She was tested, but she didn't have the results. Well, I have a rapid. So I gave her a rapid. She tested positive. She had to go. So, you know, but it's the economy. The virus will shut us down. It it won't be the government. It's going to be the virus. But luckily, they say the numbers are going down. It's basically just running through the population. Once everyone is either sick, survives, and moves on, the numbers should stabilize again until the next variant comes. (laughs) And that cycle can start all over again. Yeah, but they're forecasting it won't be as bad because... Most of America has been exposed. Most of the world, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's now we're in survival of the fittest. So you get it, you survive, or you don't. But if you survive, you have immunity. Or you have some level of immunity. The thing that people don't understand, and they're so mad at the media and mad at scientists, this is in real time. You know, when we talk about this disease, it's in real time. It's not four years ago. It's not three years ago. It's no. yesterday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the studies are coming. At, I mean, every day is a new study, a new trial. Something came out. Israel said this. The UK said this. South Africa said this. And that's why they keep constantly changing and pivoting and moving because it's real. It's in real time. It's not 20 years ago. You know, when measles first hit, they but those studies were 20 years ago. You know, they have the data that they could show over 20 years the efficacy of these drugs. This is in real time. So that's why they keep moving, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear this mask, wear that mask, because the studies are being done now. You know, like Israel just announced, I think a month ago, they're going to four boosters to their high-risk population, people in healthcare, And then the Supreme Court just ruled against Biden, except for health care. He left the mandate for health care workers to get vaccinated. Even they understand that. If we let all our health care workers get sick, who's going to take care of us? I actually had a patient tell me she went to the hospital for pneumonia. She slept on a cot in the hallway for three days. And she made it to bed. She was only there 24 hours and they asked her to leave. So and this is the world we live in. This is our reality. Yes. And, it, and the thing about it is once you accept it and you, it's kind of like grieving. Well, it is like grieving. We're all grieving the loss of our pre-COVID lives and pre-COVID freedoms and the way of life we used to have and things like that. But once you go through that grieving process and make it to acceptance and you're like, okay, this is how it is. This is the new normal. You can deal with it, but it's the people who keep fighting it. I'm not going to wear a mask. I just read, I think it was from London to Miami. They had to turn around the flight because someone on the plane was refusing to wear a mask. They turned around a plane <laughs> Because I was acting a fool on the plane. I'm like, you own the plane. Don't you want to go <laughs> home? <laughs> but I mean, people are just so adamant. My right, my life, my, you know. But I mean, it's all about choices. But in this case, you, you should think about everyone, not just you. When you get vaccinated, you protect everyone. It's like we, we're going into a cocoon. But a lot of people, you know, there's so much misinformation out there. 
But, but I tell everyone, if you really want to learn, go to the CDC site, CDC, FDA, go to the experts, because people seem to forget we've been getting vaccines since we were born. But now, mysteriously, they're not any good. But we've been getting shots since we were infants. They have chips in them, right? Nah, That's they ain't big enough. I mean, their chips are too big to go in. They said the smallest chip is about the tip of a pencil. Mm -hmm. And besides, we're out of chips. That's why we actually just got the contract. The state of Ohio just got the contract with Intel. They're building a factory in Columbus to make the chips. They said it's going to bring about 30,000 jobs outside of Columbus. Biden and DeWine just announced that this week. So that's going to be awesome. Hopefully it should spill over into Dayton. Because they, I think they need like six to 8,000 people just to build it. And then 30,000 to man it. It's going to be on like 100,000 acres. So that's going to be lots of jobs. And it's going to bring in spill-off jobs, you know, restaurants, gas stations, you know, hotels. You know, because I mean, that's a worldwide entity because America, we don't, I think they said we only have two to three chip manufacturers in the country. So we're about way behind the eight ball. And we are probably use the most chips because, you know, they're in everything we use. So and when I heard that, I was really excited and hope some of it will spill off into Dayton. But I'm sure it will. People probably have to commute because it's outside of Columbus. I don't know if it's, I think it's east of Columbus, but that's still not far from us. So that's we- exciting. As we wrap up the COVID-19 conversation, what's, what should we hope for? What should we look forward to? What should we hold on to in terms of what we're dealing with with the COVID-19 concerns in America? Yeah, we have the vaccine. We have the treatment. It's just you have to take it. And that's one thing people keep forgetting. Uh, we have options now. They have monoclonal antibodies you can get. In the hospitals, they have the new antiviral pill. Pfizer came out with that one. I'm pretty sure that that is a prescription. But I mean, we have treatments. We have options. We have testing. You know, we're not in the dark like we were a year ago. And we're in a better place than we were a year ago. But for this to cease to exist or at least go from pandemic to endemic, we're going to have to get vaccinated. Otherwise, we're going to keep having variants from the virus, because as long as people are unvaccinated, the virus can keep reproducing and spreading. And that's a concern for many, as, as you hear the conversations that go around, you know, in the work environment and just in conversations with people, and you even see it on social media, people have great concerns, and they're wondering, what's next? Probably another variant, because <laughs> I think the worldwide we might be at 50%, but like Africa, I was just reading, they're at 10%. I think India's at 30%. And and India's, what, two or three billion people? So <laughs> that's a lot of people that are unvaccinated for the virus to spread around. I always said my mother is a mixture of Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, Medea, wrapped in the one. And every time I had a trial or tribulation in my life, my mother never told me to quit. She always told me to fight. Mm-hmm. And if, she, if I didn't fight, she would come fight for me. <laughs> so, and you really didn't want that to happen. Well, she, she showed up sometimes. Because I remember when I was in college, my professor told me that I wasn't smart enough to go to college. Mm-hmm. I mean, go to medical school. 
And my parents living at Louisiana and I was in school in Alabama. Let's see. They were in his office within two days. She drug my daddy to Alabama to have a conversation with my professor. And, you know, he was like, well, I was trying to motivate her and this, that. And she said, that's not how you do it. But, you know, but that was, that's my mother. And then when I had issues when I was in residency, she she never said to quit or she said, oh, you're going to fight. And we gonna, we going to get this together. And every time I had a struggle or an issue, she she never once said, you know, you need to throw in your hat. It was just get ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is how we're going to solve this. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the strength of her mother and her grandmother. You know, they because her mother uh, was an educator. She she did, was never promoted she was a teacher. She was never promoted to school board, even though she had a master's degree and things like that. When you sit down and you read a book about the history of black women and what we have gone through throughout history and how we still stand and we still pass that down, mm -hmm. it gives you a better understanding of what your parents went through. That's why I say to anyone that can get to D.C., go to the African-American Museum. That was life changing. I still have to go back because my phone died at Obama in history. Because when you go to museum, you go in the basement, you start before slavery. And as you go up in the levels, you go through history. My phone died at Obama. <laughs> so I went to charge. And then on that floor was the hip hop floor, the Greek floor. They had an interactive Greek session mm -hmm. where they taught you how to a step like the Greeks. And then they had a hip hop room and charging. And they also had a genealogy room where you could make appointments and go through your whole family history. But for you to truly, like they said, you have to understand the past to understand your future. Mm -hmm. And I know when you talked about it before, shortly after your trip, you made it very known to everyone that this is something they owe themselves to go to it and make sure you've got some time because you do need a couple of days. You do need a couple of days. Mm -hmm. If you live through that, you need to get ready because it's emotional. I, I mean, I'm a 70s baby, so I was born in 74, so I was a decade after the 60s. But I mean, when you there's a room when you walk in through the civil rights movement and all the different speeches are going. You're here, mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all of them speaking, and then you're seeing the videos of them getting beat and all that. And then when you do the interactive sit-in, they have an interactive sit-in. So you can sit in as a white person or you can sit in as a black person. And you make decisions and it tells you what's going to happen to you <laughs> based on your decisions. And it is, it is all interactive. So you, And you're actually sitting at a counter of a replica of one of the counters and you just and it's all digital and you pick your choices and it tells you what's going to happen to you if you don't get up and it's it's deep it's, it's real deep but i think that's what's going on now with this whole critical race theory and they're not wanting to teach but that's this is our history mm -hmm. not just our history it's american history yeah <laughs> this is how this country was started and everyone needs to know what they did and how they did it and why they did it and why they felt like they needed to do it the way they did it.
and, and we need to know, everyone needs to know the beginning so they know the significance of now. And that's really what the book did for me. It helped me to understand the significance of me being able to do what I do. Because I never really thought about it on that level. How significant it is for me to be a black female physician that owns her own practice. Because everyone's like, well, who you work for? Me. Whose name's on the door? <laughs> me. <laughs> but I, it didn't click how significant that was because people be like, well, you don't work. No, I don't work for them. No, this is mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the fact that it is mine is because of the, the legacy of my father and grandfather because they're the ones that started my practice. They funded it because the banks wouldn't give me the money. So I was able to go home to Louisiana, Bogalusa, Louisiana, and my daddy walked me into the bank and co-signed me alone to get my practice. And that was that was legacy right there. And look at that because how many parents can do that, can help pave that way, and someone paved that way or made a way for your dad to be in that position to do that. And as the well. sacrifices, because my grandfather was a farmer, and pretty much all of his children. My grandparents and all my great uncles all went to college. Most of them, well, about half of them went into the funeral home businesses. And one of them was a biochemist. He actually, he's the reason why I went to Talladega College. He was a biochemist at Stanford. His best friend was the Dean of Science at Talladega. And that's how I ended up going to Talladega. So, you know, but they don't tell that history. You know, they all want, they only want to tell, you know, gangsters and hip-hop and athletes but you know they don't want to tell that part of history mm -hmm. and that's the history we need to know and pass down to our children especially this generation <laughs> they are so far removed <laughs> from that part of history and they need to understand so they can understand the complexities of the society they're actually about to enter and actually, they're actually showing now more people are sending their black children back to HBCUs so they can get their history. What's interesting is I love the interaction from our callers when they call the radio station or our email or send through a text. This is a, a listener who is back here visiting family, originally from Dayton, loving the story, loving the show, and wants to know your history. Could you please ask her to share her history? So they're not familiar with how you got started. So if you want to oh. tell us, go, I guess they want to know back how did it start for you? You mentioned about your dad co-signing for you, which is wonderful to get the loan for your practice. And go well, in the beginning, I've always been a nerd. Nerds rule. Nerds, number one. Nerd, I think it's now and Tesla. And what's amazing, Dr. <laughs> Rich, when you proudly say you're a nerd. Yes, because uh, someone called me a nerd. I said, who's in the top 10? Nerds. The richest man on earth. Nerd. I think is he owns the one that owns Tesla. He's number one now. And Bezos is behind him. He's a nerd. Because <laughs> he, he thought, well, they both travel to space. Nerds. But anyway. So no wonder the back of your Richmond foot and ankle clinic sweatshirt said nerds rule. I wonder why I said that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, I always, I always loved science. I always wanted to be a doctor. Every Halloween, I, my mother's a nurse. I would wear her lab coat instead of scope for Halloween. Um, 
And when I went to college, I went biology pre-med. I didn't get in on the first try and I played around for four years, taught school, made pig hearts out of, made heart valves out of pig hearts in Atlanta. I taught school, went to bartending school. <laughs> So that's where you learn your technique for that other drink. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, it was a fun school. It was in Atlanta. But anyway. And then I went to medical school in Cleveland. I was accepted to Kent State Podiatry School in Cleveland. And I came to Dayton to do my residency at the Dayton VA. And about my, well, really my first, second year, I started looking for a mentor, African-American. Found out there were none. The last one was Dr. Fletcher. He was at Drew and he had died by the time I started looking. And I went to a health fair at the hospital. I mean, the church right down from Drew. Can't think of the name of it, but there was people there from Drew. Was it Mount Enon? Mount Enon, yep. Mm -hmm. Mother Love was there giving a book, one of her, her books. And I had my little cards, I had printed off the printer and I was passing them out. And I walked up to a gentleman from Drew Health Center and he's like, oh, our last podiatrist just died. He's African-American. We want another African-American podiatrist. And basically, two years later, I finished residency June 2008. I opened my practice July 2008 at zero patients. And now I'm up to, I think, 13,000. That's patients. amazing. How many years later? 13 years. 13 years later. Well, I'm 13. This year will be my 14th year. Okay. July 2020. Uh, yeah. July 1st of 2022. Be 14 years practicing. That's amazing. And that is a wonderful story. And there are young people out there that are inspired by your story. And, it's, and I want to thank the listener for even asking you to go over that because... Even I learned a couple more things. You shared that story before, but it's like I picked out something else I didn't remember or recall from before, so that's amazing. Congratulations to you, and thanks for sharing that. And for those that want to know, what do you attribute your success to? My family. Because, like I said, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. So growing up around him in the funeral home, it was not, it was I always knew I wanted my own practice. <laughs> Actually, when I was in residency, I had Caucasian doctors tell me, I'll hire you, but you'll only see the Medicaid and the black patients. To my face. Hello, <laughs> oh, no, you funny. But so. <laughs> he didn't know who he was dealing with. No, 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 he didn't. And it, it was never really in my mind an option to work for someone else. I always wanted my own business. And I, I guess because I saw my grandfather do it, then my father's doing it. I knew I could do it. And that's the one thing like I love about being a black female and a black female with dreadlocks as a doctor, because I look like anyone off the street. But when they walk into my office and see me in my lab coat and see me, I, I love that they can see themselves. And, you know, and, and it's not an arrogant thing, but I love that I can be a real Dr. McStuffin, <laughs> not a doll. <laughs> that is awesome, Dr. Richmond. We hope you enjoyed today's show with Dr. Richmond, sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. The clinic is located at 1323 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, zip code 45402. To book an appointment, call 937-228-3668, or you can learn more at richfeet.org.